Today's episode of the Roger Hoover Podcast is presented to you on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. And the Roger Hoover Podcast is proud to be part of the River City Rogue Podcast Network. For the best local blogs, vlogs, and podcasts on sports, culture, and entertainment, head to RiverCityRogue.com. Bold views from the bold city and beyond. Everybody, I'm Roger Hoover, and welcome to this episode of the Roger Hoover Podcast. Coming to you on this Tuesday, December 20th, 2016, from Destin, Florida, where unfortunately it is gray, overcast, maybe some rain later. It's only 55 degrees. Uh, otherwise, it is a really nice time to be at the beach. I was hoping it would be in the 70s, but alas, it's a little cool. But uh, coming to you from the Hilton Sandestin Resort, where I can even see uh, the Gulf of Mexico right now out my hotel room window, and it's great to see the ocean, even though it may be very cold. I'm in Destin because the Alabama Crimson Tide women's basketball team is currently playing in the Patrick Harrington Tournament in Niceville, Florida, had a great win last night at Raider Arena against McNeese State, and now coming up in a little bit, the Crimson Tide will take on UTEP to close out play before the Christmas holiday, and Alabama is playing extremely well, the Crimson Tide 10-1, trying to go 11-1 through the first 12 non-conference games of the year. Best start Alabama's had in over 15 seasons, so it's really been a fun time to be part of this ride for Christy Curry's basketball team. But everyone is starting to really get into the Christmas spirit, and we'll even get into the Christmas spirit in this episode of the podcast as Mary Lane Haskell is my guest, and she portrays Dolly Parton's childhood school teacher Miss Moody in Dolly Parton's Christmas of Many Colors, Circle of Love. It debuted on NBC on November 30th. It will air again on NBC on December 23rd. That's Friday at 9 p.m. And also the DVD is available for Christmas of Many Colors, and a lot of you watched Coat of Many Colors, the first Dolly Parton really TV movie for NBC that have been really wonderfully done. And I mentioned this in the interview with Mary Lane, but I, I think you don't see this type of entertainment very more in today's society. Something that's wholesome, really represents the East Tennessee values that Dolly Parton had growing up and really a lot of us had, but it, it's just something that you would be able to watch with your grandparents and re- remind them of their time in the rural South. Uh, it's a really fun watch, so I appreciate Mary Lane coming on and being my first guest really in the entertainment world on this podcast. Everything really is going well. The Crimson Tide, as I mentioned, are playing some great basketball. Had fun on Hey Coach a couple weeks ago, like I mentioned during the Gary Stoken episode. Even got to go on Hey Coach last night with Chris Stewart. But the main thing is I'm just getting ready for the holidays. Uh, Following tonight's basketball game, the Crimson Tide will bust back to Tuscaloosa in the morning. And then from there, I'll be heading back to East Tennessee. Got a lot of fun coming up with friends and family, uh, especially Friday night will be a lot of fun for the 2016 edition of Hoover Monopoly. It's always been a fun tradition for uh, my dad's family, for really all the men. My dad's one of four brothers, and then uh, my cousin Mike and Rob, and then um, Mike's son Drew and myself, we all play Monopoly together. So eight of us playing Monopoly. We always make a big deal of it on social media, especially Twitter, where I'll be providing updates just Search for the hashtag Hoover Monopoly or go to my Twitter feed at Roger underscore Hoover. You'll see it right there. Uh, We have a lot of fun with it and we always take a picture of the winner and it's always a great kind of kickoff to the family holiday traditions and always love the fact that uh, my Christmases have been spent in Kingsport, Tennessee. Uh, Christmas Eve is always very special on Church Circle and First Baptist Church where my mom leads the music just like my grandfather did for 29 years as the Minister of Music. And it's just a special service, December 24th, Christmas Eve at First Baptist Church, uh, especially near the end of the service when the lights in the sanctuary are dimmed and you see the candles just all around the sanctuary during the singing of Silent Night and Joy to the World. It's one of my absolute favorite things in the world and something I really never want to miss. I don't believe I've missed a Christmas Eve service at First Baptist all my life, and uh, I don't... 
intend on breaking that at any time soon. So looking forward to that. And then I'll see uh, my mom's family on December 25th after spending uh, Christmas Eve with my dad's family. But we'll head back to Maryville for a great celebration with my mom's family. And it's just going to be a lot of fun to see, uh, again, a lot of family. I always reconnect with friends back in Kingsport during the holidays as well. So got a busy week coming up. And then Alabama will be playing on December 28th as the women's basketball team will take on Florida A&M to close out non-conference play. And then on December 29th, I'll have the call on SEC Network Plus of Tennessee Lady Vols basketball as Tennessee faces UNC Wilmington. I'll be on the call on SEC Network Plus with former Lady Vol Brittany Jackson. So that will be a lot of fun coming up as well. But it's the holiday time, and again, Christmas of many colors. I was able to watch the stream of it last night on NBC.com. It's available on demand there. And also encourage everyone to watch on Friday night at 9 o'clock when they re-air Christmas of many colors, Circle of Love. All brought to you by Dolly Parton. She put together a wonderful cast from Ricky Schroeder, who plays Dolly's dad. Jennifer Nettles, who plays Dolly's mom. Gerald McRaney, who you've seen a lot of films and television, especially even in recent years. He was in House of Cards on Netflix. He plays Dolly's grandfather. And then Mary Lane Haskell plays Miss Moody, the school teacher who I mentioned pretty early on in the interview. She's not like all the other characters you see. So we really dive in and talk about her role in the films and also what's coming up for her. So I think you'll enjoy this interview with the actress Mary Lane Haskell. First of all, are you ready for Christmas? I am absolutely ready for Christmas. Um, It's my favorite time of year, and I know that's kind of a cliche thing to say, but um, it really is. And um, I'll head to Mississippi to spend Christmas with my family tomorrow, but I still have all my decorations up in my Los Angeles apartment, and I just got back home, and the first thing I did was plug in my Christmas tree. (laughs) (laughs) Has it been really more fun for you, the holiday season, over the last two years, knowing that uh, Coat of Many Colors and then now Christmas of Many Colors has been on TV, and there's just been a lot of excitement generated? by the films? Absolutely. And I think what our films do in such a wonderful way, being that they are faith-based and family entertainment, is that they really get people in the Christmas spirit. And even with Code of Many Colors, which technically wasn't a Christmas movie in plot, you know, it took place um, over the course of one summer when Dolly Parton was nine years old in 1955. But still, thematically speaking, it's just, it was such a story of faith and hope and love and um, perseverance and um, all, all those good things that we, we gather together with our families and we celebrate at Christmas time. So for NBC to then order this Christmas sequel, Christmas of Many Colors, Circle of Love, it was really wonderful. And I think that even more so gets people in the Christmas spirit, too. Yeah, we don't really see TV movies or just movies in general like this that, like you said, are family-centered, faith-centered, and it's almost refreshing to see something like this come back on TV. Absolutely, and certainly not on network television. You know, Hallmark has a bit of a monopoly on the Christmas movie or the family movie, Um, but that's cable TV. And I think a lot of people in this period of disillusionment and, you know, just going for the shock value. No one expected NBC to do this. Um, No one expected NBC to go out on a limb and make entertainment that was not only for the family to sit down and watch, but that was faith-based, you know. We are afraid to say, this is a Christmas of many colors. We say Merry Christmas. We talk about God. Odd. We talk about faith. We talk about all of those things. And I think there's an audience for that. Mm-hmm. There is absolutely an audience of people out there who doesn't want to have to worry about whether content is appropriate for their children or, you know, putting the earmuffs on for a curse word or covering up their eyes if there's something graphic or violent. The fact that they know they can sit down in front of their television and for two hours just watch a story about a family. I think is really wonderful. And that's why 
you know, 16 million people tuned into Coat of Many Colors, and then 14 million people tuned into Christmas of Many Colors. So, and those are the highest rated television movies on both network or cable of the last five years. And that, that says something. I think those numbers speak loudly. And so we're so grateful to Bob Greenblatt at NBC and to Peter Roth at Warner Brothers for kind of giving Dolly and my father the green light to make these movies. Yeah, what really led to the process of these movies getting made? Well, Dolly has always wanted to do movies about her life, about her songs, but it was always, you know, no, it was never right place, right time. And when my father, who my dad's known Dolly for decades, and I, by proxy, have known her since I was a very little girl. She's like my aunt Dolly in so many ways. I, I grew up having sleepovers with her and, you know, getting together and singing and playing guitar. And she's such an incredible woman. And so when my father went back to work at Warner Brothers, he had retired from Hollywood, you know, moved back to Mississippi with my mother, said he was going to improve his golf game and finally get some rest. But um, Warner Brothers called and they said, we want family entertainment. We want wholesome family TV. And no one did that better than my dad, you know? Fresh Prince of Bel-Air was his show. Everybody Loves Raymond was his show. Different World was his show. Um, The Cosby Show was his show. And um, those television shows were such amazing family programming shows. And so they reached out to him. They said, no one does it better than you. Come work for us. So he was given a development deal at Warner Brothers. And when Dolly heard that Sam was back, you know, she took it as a sign. She said, I've been wanting to make these movies, but I've never had the right person to do it with. And now you're back. And they, of course, had worked together for 30 years and been friends for 30 years. So it was finally right place, right time for her. And that approached his friend, Bob Greenblatt at NBC. And, of course, Bob has known Dolly forever. He was one of the producers on her Broadway musical 9 to 5. So they all sat down and Bob said, absolutely, let's do four movies based on four of your songs. But I have one condition. And Dad and Dolly said, what's that? And Bob said that the first one be Code of Many Colors. So here we are. (laughs) (laughs) And so you, I'm sure, heard about that entire process as it was going on. Did you have any idea you would be in one of the movies? You know, I've always, as an actor, um, coming up in this industry with a family who was very much a part of the industry, ever since I was a little kid working as a child actor, I've known how to separate family from my work. So as my father's daughter, I was so excited for him. And as you know, my Aunt Dolly's little godniece, I was very excited for her. But as an actor, of course, you know, it's like, well, I wonder if I wonder if there's something for me in this. I wonder if there's something for me to audition for. And then lo and behold, uh, um, Pam Long, who was our wonderful writer, wrote the part of Miss Moody. And um, Dolly actually reached out to me because she's always told me I remind her of her school teacher. And she, and she said, now, honey, you've got to come in an audition. We're not just going to give it to you. <laughs> We've got to make sure you can do it. And, and believe me, you know, between my father and Dolly, there's a lot of love there, but it's tough love. So I know if I hadn't, if I hadn't cut it, they would have told me, now, we love you, but we, we got to find someone better. Um, so to, to know and to go in, and I had my first audition. I was living in New York at the time. I did my first audition on tape. And then I had a callback for the casting director, Patrick Rush, um, who's an incredible casting director out of L.A. And then he brought me back for another callback. I was in the room with Pam Long, the writer, and the director, Steve Herrick, and Oscar-nominated director for Mr. Holland's Opus. And um, we had about an hour session with the director and the writer. And it was one of the hardest auditions I've ever had in my entire life. We did all of Miss Moody's scenes, and um, I I really, to be able to come out of that um, and get the part made me really proud, not only as an actress, but that I got to make my father and Dolly proud as well. Well, well, and the part of Miss Moody as well, in watching the films, she's a very different character than the rest of the Parton family or any other people you see, so it really is important for you to be yourself in this role, I imagine. 
Absolutely. And, you know, I just, I remember when I got the sides for my first audition and I just, I knew this woman. I knew her. Um, I'm a teacher myself. You know, when I look at my, when you talk about a survival job up for an actor, I did the whole restaurant waiting tables thing in New York, but I found myself teaching. Um, I teach musical theater. I, I teach young high school kids who are looking to sing and act and be in musical theater. So I, I knew her and I knew where her teacher's heart was. And so I just, I did, I brought a lot of myself to it. And of course, having the Southern upbringing I did, I was raised in LA, but you know, my mother is from Southeast Texas and my daddy's from Mississippi. So I know those people. And And I think too, you know, when you're casting out of New York or LA, you worry, oh, well, will they really get the Southern sensibility? Will they know these people? And I think that was another um, advantage that I had because I've grown up around these people. I, I know that they're real. I know that they exist. And um, so to be able to pay homage not only to Southern, just the Southern sensibility, but also to pay homage to teachers everywhere who inspire kids and encourage kids. I know I had so many teachers, Roger, who, you know, lifted me up and supported me when I was just starting out in the theater, or even if it was a math teacher that was like, I know this child isn't going to be a mathematician when she grows up, but we got to get her through this class so that we can get her into NYU so that she can go to the Tisch School of the Arts. Um, so just, I, I had, it really just take a village when it comes to young artists. And so to be able to be a part of the village that raised Dolly um, in these movies was such an honor. And in the first movie, your message really to Dolly was to dream big and make sure she knows that she can have that dream of becoming the big star, like when she had to write the essay and she wrote about herself being a star in the Grand Ole Opry. But it seems like in this second film, Christmas of Many Colors, you really help her, or the character Miss Moody really helps her put those plans into motion and really help her family. You know, I think what was so wonderful about Christmas of Many Colors versus Code of Many Colors is that Coat of Many Colors was a movie about a coat. And so that that infamous coat that Dolly made, you know, that no one will ever forget from Dolly Parton's hit song. But Christmas of Many Colors, it was about a community. And whereas in the first film, you only got to know the characters around Dolly by how they related to that coat. So again, you saw Miss Moody protecting Dolly when she was bullied about the coat. And you saw her encouraging Dolly as a writer. In the second movie, Christmas of Many Colors, you get to see Miss Moody and all the characters, really, you know, coming together to help this family and coming together as a community to help this little girl's dream come true. And so that was wonderful that I got to get to know Miss Moody a little better. You know, Pam Long came back and wrote another wonderful script where we got to find out a little more about her. And I just, I loved those scenes where I got to be one-on-one with little Olivia Allen Lind, who plays little Dolly. She's such an incredible actress. And um, to be able to show that a teacher like Miss Moody can be there for a child and support a child outside of the classroom. Like, as you said, Miss Moody, you know, steps up and helps the family and helps Dolly get those rings for her parents. She sacrifices her, her family heirloom, the brooch, in order to help little Dolly. And I think that in a lot of ways speaks to how students can be a teacher's family. You know, Miss Moody, it's, I love this plot point. She's 26 <laughs> and she's an old maid, you know, right. <laughs> because, because she's unmarried. And here I am 27, <laughs> like the most single girl in Los Angeles, apparently. And, um, And I would never think that I'm an old maid, but of course that was the reality. In 1955, in the Appalachian Mountains, everyone got married when they were 15 or 16, you know? Um, Avie Lee had Willa Dean when she was 15. Willa Dean is the oldest Parton kid. So Ms. Moody was a little behind in that way, but to see her give up this heirloom for her new family and in support of her new family, who are her students... Um, I thought was really beautiful. And in this movie, Christmas of Many Colors, we we see that sacrifice 
manifest in many different ways. We see love manifested in so many different ways. We see a father's love for his children and Lee Parton played so wonderfully by Ricky Schroeder feeling so strongly that he needs to be better and do more for his children. He wants to give his children and his wife the Christmas they deserve. Um, you see a child's love for their mother and these kids who sacrifice their Christmas presents to, to help get their mother a ring. We see a mother's love for her children, you know, when they're freezing almost to death in that cabin. And that really happened. You know, these movies are based on real life stories from Dolly's childhood. So as for so many people, you know, the, the circumstances seem unreal. They, 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 they don't seem like this could possibly have happened, let alone have happened to Dolly Parton. But they did. And I think that's for Dolly to be able to share her truth in this way and to tell these stories that a lot of people don't know is, is so special for her. And it's so special for us as actors to get to be a part of telling them. You mentioned Olivia Allen Lind, who plays the role of Dolly Parton, and I was really struck by her and also the kids in Christmas of Many Colors. It's almost like a new school year. They're all getting a little bit older, and yeah. just, they were all cast so well. The entire yes. film was. Well, well, that's that's Patrick Grush, and it was a labor of love, certainly. And you know, it was very important to Dolly with all of the kids who were playing her brothers and sisters, you know, she wanted them to look the way her brothers and sisters looked. I mean, down to eye color, hmm. hair color, height, all of that played into it. But I agree with you that it was so special, you know, both from a cinematic perspective, but also just from a work perspective, you know, coming back one year later as a cast to see how these kids had grown and how they've, they're coming into their own and they're becoming young adults, some of them. And then some of the littler ones are, you know, coming into their mid-adolescence and they're excited about that and excited about, you know, growing up and that coming of age. And I think it's really special that we get to see all of them going through that. I think that's why people are comparing this franchise to Little House on the Prairie or to the Waltons, because it isn't just about Dolly Parton. It's not a Dolly Parton biopic. It's it's a story of a family. And you connect with each one of those kids on a different level. And I think that's what's so brilliant about the writing and that's what's so brilliant about their portrayal. You know, these kids, they are not your typical child actors. You know, they they are they are so real and they are so raw in a lot of ways and um, I was just so proud of them. Because as the school teacher, I kind of <laughs> I was so proud to see their, their excellent portrayals of film. I'm sure for someone that sings as well, getting to know Jennifer Nettles and see the way she really approached the role of Abby Lee was also fun these last two films. Oh my gosh. I am a Jennifer Nettles super fan. <laughs> like, first scene that I shot was a scene with Jennifer and I just we were in the hair and makeup trailer together and she was so kind and so generous and I remember just looking at her and saying okay I have to get this out of the way <laughs> and then we can be normal but I am such a huge fan and she laughed and she appreciated that but I just think she's one of the most talented women in country right now I think what she accomplishes not only as a recording artist but now turning around and seeing her act like this like, I mean, everyone knew she was good, but I don't think anyone expected this. And I mean that in the most positive way, that it was such a wonderful surprise that she was so authentic and so powerful in these movies. Um, Code of Many Colors was her first TV movie. It was her first movie. It was really her, f like, she had never, she had done Broadway. She had done Roxy in Chicago on Broadway. But she had never gotten her feet wet in television. So for this to be her first thing was just such a triumph for her. And it was such an honor to get to work with her again, like as a super fan, as a singer myself. I am just, I am so in awe of her gift um, vocally as a musician. So to be able to also appreciate her gifts as an actress as well was such a privilege for me. And how great was it to see Dolly actually be in Christmas of Many Colors? Of course, she introed and uh, sang in Code of Many Colors, but now she gets to play a role, and I th think she nailed it. I think she had a lot of fun with that role. Oh, she was perfect. And, you know, it was, I had a friend who put it the best way. It was Inception on a whole new level. <laughs> 
you know, Big Dolly talking to Little Dolly. Right. Maybe you will, sweetheart. It's like, whoa! But I think that made it all the more special. You know, that was, again, a true story. Dolly remembers vividly the first time she saw the town trollop. You know, the town hooker, for lack of a better word. (laughs) And growing up, again, in the Appalachian Mountains in Tennessee, where most of the churches were Pentecostal, and it was a sin to even rouge your cheeks or put on lipstick. So for Dolly to look at this woman with the blonde hair and the lips and the clothes and the hair and, you know, the eye makeup, and she said, that's the most beautiful woman I've ever seen. And that's kind of where her look came from. With the clothes and the blonde hair and the makeup and all of that. So when Dolly sat down with the writer Pam and said, I think it's time for me to tell this story. I think I want to tell the story of what inspired my look. Everyone kind of looked at each other and was like, well, who better to play the part than you? I mean, like there, there was no more perfect person to play the painted lady. And I think it was it was just so magical to see her talking to her younger self and it's you know i loved the line from the film that angels come in all shapes and sizes and um that the painted lady in this movie truly is an angel to little dolly and so i think it's wonderful to see that well and dolly parton has also been an angel to her home recently uh, of course the devastating wildfires in gatlinburg oh not gosh. too far from yeah. the uh, parton farm and you've been to dollywood before so you know exactly that area but to see that devastation but then to see the way dolly was able to put on the telethon and help out so many families right away has got to be touching for you oh absolutely i mean roger we were there a week before the fires hit we were all there at dollywood for the premiere of christmas of many colors wow the whole cast And so for us to all have that celebration and have that party and to be so joyful and to meet the staff, you know, there were screenings of the film. She screened the film for the whole staff for free. Um, And so we got to meet the staff and talk with them. And we really, by the end of our time there, we felt such a part of the Dollywood family. So to then come home and see this devastation, we were all devastated And so we reached out and we were like, what can we do? What can we do? What can we do? And they said, we'll keep you posted. Dolly's working on some stuff. She's working on it. We'll we'll let you know. And so when she announced the telethon for the My People Fund, which is just the most incredible thing, she's given $1,000 a month to every family who was affected by these fires. Um, You know, they said, we would love for you to come man the phones. So all the kids who, you know, worked locally in Georgia, they got in their cars and they drove to Dollywood. They drove to Nashville. Um, The telephone happened in Nashville, pardon me. So they they drove to Nashville and they manned the phones for the telephone. And um, I called in. I made my donation. I know several of of the cast members did as well. But that telephone raised $9 million. Incredible for the people of Gatlinburg and the Smoky Mountains. And that's that's the power of Dolly. Like, that is when Dolly Parton sets her mind to something, she makes it happen. And she has never forgotten where she comes from. That's why she built the park. It's like, I know a lot, you know, people who are, again, it's so easy to be disillusioned in today's day and age, and people hear Dollywood, oh... What's that? She built a theme park in celebration of herself. What's that about? But it's like, no, she built that theme park to put the people of her hometown to work. Mm-hmm. You know, when we were there talking to them, they were all so grateful because they said, Miss Parton is the reason I have a nice house. Miss Parton is the reason my kids are going to good colleges because they've, they've been employed by Dollywood. And Dollywood is one of the chief employers of East Tennessee. And I think that she does that for her community because that's that community raised her. That community made her who she is today, as we see in these movies. You know, it, it, it didn't just happen overnight. It was, it, it really does take a village. And I think for her to, be able to give back to that community in the way that she has is so special because I think a lot of people, you know, when they find success or celebrity or any number of things, you know, they, they move on and they never look back. Um, 
but Dolly has never stopped looking back. And I think that's what makes her so special. That That is what sets her apart is her heart. She is such a loving and giving person. And, um, so I wasn't surprised at all that she sprung into action the way she did. We were all, it was all just a matter of what's she going to come up with? What's she going to come up with? And the fact that all of the stars that turned out for the, for the telethon, they turned out because it's Dolly. When Dolly asks you to do something, you say yes. It's, it's just, it's the Dolly factor. And I think it's absolutely incredible what she's been able to accomplish. I agree. And as somebody from East Tennessee and went to school at uh, University of Tennessee in Knoxville and just love that area so much. Uh, really oh, of appreciate. Course. It's so beautiful. Oh, it certainly is. Just really appreciate uh, the crew, the staff's efforts, Dolly's to really help out in this time of need. Uh, as you mentioned, it's a special community and people uh, really bond together and help each other out, which is what you love to see. Absolutely. Well, you mentioned you grew up in Los Angeles, but also with a little bit of a southern uh, frame of mind. You mentioned your mom from Texas, your dad from Mississippi. Uh, what were some things that they did while you were growing up that allowed to keep you, have you really have the culture of the South, even though you are uh, living in L.A.? Oh, gosh. Well, I mean, every year until I was about 12, I think, when you know, when you get to be 12 or 13 and you know, your friends start to ask, why do you leave every summer? Then that, that becomes a little harder. But until I was 12 or 13, I spent every summer of my childhood in either Texas or Mississippi or sometimes both. So I would get out of school in Los Angeles in June and we would be on a plane and we would be there the whole summer until the end of August, till about Labor Day. So I would spend about three months a year, you know, down on the family ranch in Texas, riding four wheelers or down in Mississippi, you know, riding my bike down to the town square, because I'll never forget the first time my mom was like, yeah, just go on and ride your bike. I went, what? Because for <laughs> LA, we just, we were regulated to figure eights in our driveway. <laughs> like That was all we were allowed to do. So, you know, just getting that, that sensibility and that, that freedom and just, it's, it's an easier time of things. You know, it's just everybody is, it's true what they say, that there is that Southern hospitality, you know, going back now as an adult and after fighting the traffic on the 405 freeway, when you go to Mississippi, it's like, oh, no, you go ahead. If you're at a stop, a four-way stop with somebody, no, you, no, you. It's it's just so nice and, and no one, the, it's, it's hard to explain, but um, that's that's instilled in you. And I'm so grateful to my parents for instilling that in me. I'll never forget when I was in the first grade, you know, my mama taught me to say, yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. No, ma'am. Yes, sir. No, sir. And I was in the first grade and I had a teacher who was from New York. She was from Long Island. So she talked like that. And I said, yes, ma'am to her. And she thought I was mouthing off. She thought that I was. She thought that I was being sassy, and I got put in timeout. I, it was the round table. If you got put in timeout, you were sent to the round table. And so my mother came to pick me up from school that day. And you know, my brother could be a little bit of a troublemaker, but I was. I was never in trouble. So when this teacher said to my mother, "Oh yes, Mary Lane had to go to the round table today," my mother she was shocked. She, what could she have possibly done? <laughs> And my teacher said, she said, yes, ma'am, to me. And my mother, you know, she's just one of the most gentle women ever. But every now and then, her, her jaw will lock. And she looked at my teacher and she said, that is how I am raising her. So if you have a problem with it, then you need to get over it. <laughs> because where I come from, that's respectful. And I think that was a really interesting thing for me to remember that here in L.A. and, you know, especially in the industry, too, like I went to school at NYU, um, New York University, the Tisch School of the Arts, and my teachers said the same thing to me, like with the whole yes, ma'am, no, ma'am, yes, sir, no, sir. They were worried people wouldn't think I was real. They were worried that people would think that I was putting that on or that it was an affectation. And, you know, my father has always taught me to be true to who I am. 
And that's something I learned at the knee of Dolly, too. She has never apologized for who she is. She loves who she is. And my dad has always said, if you can find out who you are and you like who you are, then your only job left is to maintain who you are, is to maintain that person. And so I, I looked at all my teachers and I said, I appreciate that. I hear that. But this is authentic to who I am. I was raised with this, with this, you know, this gentler sensibility. It's, it's a more Southern sensibility. And um, I, I'm going to stick with it. And if people, if it rubs people the wrong way, that's all right. But someday I'm going to be in the right place at the right time. And it's going to get me a job. It's, it's, it's going to be the thing that some casting director or some person goes, yes, that, that's what we're looking for. And here we are. And I'm playing Miss Moody. And it, it, you know, I, I, I feel like because I have been so authentically myself in the industry that it was only a matter of time until I found the right role for me to showcase that. And I'm just, I'm so grateful. Well, it also led to you having a great title for your blog, The Displaced Debutante. Oh, yes. <laughs> I didn't know you knew about that. I love it. Did a little research. <laughs> But uh, yeah, not many, uh, I guess, of your peers in the business have had a debut like you have. Yes. You know, it, it's, it was the kind of thing that my name was on the list since I was a little itty bitty girl. <laughs> and I didn't know. I didn't know about it. And then when I was 13, my dad said, okay, we're, we're going to go and we're doing this thing and you're going to be a page. And you're just going to, it's like a little pre-debut. And I was like, oh, okay. I'm like, whatever. I put on a dress that matched 20 other girls dresses and went to the Mississippi Delta. We were already there for Christmas anyway. It was fine. And, um, but it wasn't until later on when you're 20 is when you do the whole debutante thing. And that's when it kind of hit me. Oh, like this is actually happening. This, (laughs) this is, this isn't just something that we've been talking about since I was a little girl anymore. (laughs) So I did, you know, and it was such a wonderful experience. You know, again, it's, it's such a different world. The South can be such a different world and such, um, it was a beautiful, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Tradition. Mm -hmm. It's such a beautiful tradition that happens down there every year. You know, that there's still, you're a lady and you're introduced to society. And I think, that's there's something so lovely and elegant about it. Um, especially, you know, I was by the time I made my debut, I was at New York University and I was living in the East Village, and you know, it was a very pound the pavement kind of harder go for it life. So to be able to stop in the middle of all that and, and go and go do this thing that was kind of from a different time that has been preserved down in the Mississippi Delta. Um, it was wonderful, and I think a couple years ago when I started the blog The Displaced Debutante, I had been dealing a lot with um, the concept of home, and where is home? I had been living in New York at that time for seven years, um, and they say once you pass the five-year mark, you're an official New Yorker, but I didn't really feel like one. Um, I was living there, but I didn't quite feel like a New Yorker. I loved the city. But it didn't feel like home. Um, But Los Angeles, which is where I grew up and I now live at the time, didn't really feel like home. You know, my parents had retired back to Mississippi and my childhood home was sold. So that didn't really feel like home. And then there was Mississippi, which when I went down there and was with my family, it felt like home. But was I able to claim that because I had never lived there for any extended period of time? So this whole idea of is home where you live, is home where your people are, is home where you're from, um, and that's kind of what what brought about the displaced debutante and reconciling this city girl because when I'm in New York or L.A., everyone looks at me and says, oh, but you're Southern. And then when I'm down in Mississippi, they're like, oh, but you're the city girl. <laughs> So figuring out how to reconcile those, those, two, those two different parts of myself. 
Um, and it, it proves very, it proves very funny. Um, there were, there were some good, some good blogs on there and I'm picking it back up in 2017. You know, I've been trying to get my bearings after moving back to LA, but I miss writing. So it's one of my new year's resolutions to bring the debutante back for, for some LA adventures. Well, as a kid that grew up with a dad in the entertainment business, were you um, hooked right away on wanting to be a performer, an actor, a singer? Much to my father's chagrin, yes, <laughs> I was. Um, but he and my mother, they were always very upfront with me that my education had to come first. And I was not one of those child actors who was carted around to auditions and who was homeschooled. You know, I was very lucky. Um, if there was ever something that was offered to me or just that came about naturally, I was able to do it. Like Debbie Allen cast me as a small role in one of her Disney Channel movies back when I was about six years old. And then um, I was cast in an independent film that was directed by Joey Travolta, um, John Travolta's brother, um, because of different amount of circumstances. And he saw me perform at school and said, oh, this kid is something we got to get her in my next movie so if there was ever anything like that that was offered to me I got to do it but my parents were always very serious about that they would not let me make the choice until I was 18 and it was time to go to college so I remember when I sat down with my parents and I said I want to do this I I really I want to go to school I want to get my training and they looked really you you sure you don't want to go pre-med you sure you don't want to, you know, get your teaching degree? You sure you don't want to be a lawyer? You talk a lot. You'd be a great lawyer. No, I, I, I really want to perform. And so, again, you know, at, at that point when I was 18, a lot of parents would have said, okay, then go do it. But mine said, no, you've got to go to school. We will, we will help you and we will support you, but you must get a college education. So um, I applied to kind of all the best drama schools in the country and did the whole college audition circuit and was really blessed when I was accepted into NYU's musical theater program. And so I did my four years at Tisch. And even by the end of that, they were like, okay, are you, are you still sure? Are you still sure? <laughs> yes, <laughs> this is what I want to do. And I think... Um, and they've supported me and they, they've loved me through it. And I'm very blessed to have two parents, you know, cause my mother was a singer and an actress as well. So for me to have two parents who understand it and who understand the struggles that often come with it, you know, I, I have friends who are still living in New York, whose parents, you know, God love them, but they just don't, they can't wrap their mind around why someone would pick this profession why someone would forego security and normalcy to chase a dream. And I think, again, like all roads lead back to Dolly in so many ways, but we got to see that in the movie, you know, with her dad, like, no, 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 she's, she's not doing this. She's going to have a normal life. And, you know, even Abby Lee looking at Dolly and saying, aren't you scared? Why do you want to go out there? It's such a great big world. And Dolly's like, no, it's my dream. This is my dream. Um, And so for me growing up to have parents who did understand that dream and who supported me as long as it was what I wanted, because I think they were a little worried, like, is she wanting to do this just because it's what we do? Just because she hasn't seen anything else, you know? Um, It was the family business in a way. (laughs) And... um, So they were always very sure to make sure that it was my choice and it was what I wanted. And as long as that was true, they've supported me and they've loved me. And I'm, I'm so grateful. Was it your time at Tisch that allowed you the opportunity to solo at Carnegie Hall? What allowed me to solo at Carnegie Hall actually was a mentorship and a friendship with Michael Feinstein, who um, is kind of the ambassador and the keeper of all things Great American Songbook. He saw me perform when I was 14. um, And just, you know, I've always been a bit of an old soul. And I've always loved the old music, you know, the the Gershwins and Cole Porter and Rodgers and Hart and, you know, all the stuff that Frank Sinatra and Ella Fitzgerald sang. That's always been my favorite kind of music to sing. And Michael was very similar in that way. So he took me under his wing when I was 14. 
and he was one of the people who encouraged me to go to New York. Um, you know, my parents had me down to go to the University of Mississippi. Um, go Rebels, hotty toddy. Um, <laughs> you know, I've been visiting Ole Miss since I was a little girl, and I always thought that's where I was going to end up. But then, you know, having mentors like Michael Feinstein and Debbie Allen and even Doris Roberts, who played the mother on Everybody Loves Raymond, God rest her soul. Um, these people encouraging me, no, you need to go to New York. You belong in New York. Your training is in New York. Um, that's what gave me the courage to, you know, put myself out there. And so when I got into Tish and I moved to New York when I was 18, Michael said to me, I want to present you in concert. I want to present you to the New York artistic community. Um, and I was so honored. I was so honored. So I was up there at 18 years old with Michael and Elaine Stritch, who was one of my idols. And it's, it's a night I'll never forget. It's a night I'll never forget. I'm sure. And just uh, to be in that venue, like you said, at that age, I mean, yes, already at that point, okay, there's one of your dreams that is coming true. So then what's the motivation that follows allowing you to get some roles like Miss Moody? And I'm sure roles you're also chasing down now. I think, you know, it's, it's, I always joke about peaking too early. (laughs) You never want to think you've peaked. So while I, I did tweet something funny the other day, um, that, you know, I've I've soloed at Carnegie Hall. I've worked with Dolly Parton and Reese Witherspoon just liked my Instagram. I think I've peaked. <laughs> um, but, you know, you're, you always want to make sure as an artist that you continue challenging yourself and that you continue, um, that you never become complacent that, and that you never take any of it for granted. And that it, for me, it was never like, oh, well, I've soloed at Carnegie Hall. So I guess that means I'm going to be a star. No, it's like, you know, you keep working. You're, you're constantly working. You're constantly improving your craft. And I think um, we're very hopeful with this with this franchise that we're building, this coat of many colors, Christmas of many colors, you know, just telling the life story of Dolly Parton. Um, with everybody who watched the first time, that made them order another one. So as long as people keep watching, we're going to keep telling this story. Um, so I'm, I'm hoping this isn't the last you'll see of Miss Moody, but, um, even if it is, it's again, it's, it's on to the next thing. What's the next story I get to tell? What's the next part I get to dive into? And I think it's that drive and that feeling of never being done and never feeling like there's nothing left to learn. I'm, I'm such, I, I loved school. Um, as much as I was ready to like be out of school and to, get going in in retrospect hindsight's always 2020 I loved learning um and I I'm a student of the arts and I'm also a student of life so I I don't think I'll I'll ever be done learning that's something that Doris Roberts taught me you know um Doris even she's a five-time Emmy winner for everybody loves Raymond but she still took acting class once a week really she went to acting class at the Beverly Hills Playhouse here in Los Angeles. And, you know, she would do a scene. She would work on a scene that was something she'd never get to do. Like she'd do Cleopatra in Antony and Cleopatra just to exercise the muscle. And um, learning that at her knee has instilled that in me as well. And so I I don't think I'll ever be done learning. So I I just hope I, I continue to be blessed and continue to get to, to do this work because I love it. And I think in order to be in this industry, you have to love it that much and you have to want it that much. And you have to know that there's nothing else you, you'd rather do. And so I, I'm, I'm at my happiest. I'm at my most fulfilled um, when, I'm, when I'm telling a story and when I'm getting to, to act and to share my gifts. So God willing, and I'll keep on this trajectory that I'm on and I'll, I'll get to keep sharing it with you guys. Yeah, and that leads me into the last thing I want to ask you about. Uh, we're doing this at the end of 2016, and by the end of uh, 2017, what would you like the upcoming year to have in store for you? Oh, gosh. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm holding out for more Miss Moody. I, there we go. I, I, think, I think we've got we've got some story left to tell. I think we're going to find her a boyfriend. <laughs> I, I'm holding out for Dolly Parton's Valentine of Many Colors. Miss Moody gets a boyfriend. That's... <laughs> 
that's what I think the third installment of this franchise should be. <laughs> um, but yeah, I just, you know, um, everyone's very positive and I know Dolly has spoken at length about what she hopes to do with this storytelling, um, which would ultimately be a series is what her dream would be. So, um, a series called life with many colors. Yeah. So, um, we're, again, nothing official or that's just what she's dreaming. And, you know, when Dolly dreams something, it tends to come true. Absolutely. So, um, I think we're all kind of on the edge of our, our seats. Um, and I know that that, that would be my, my dream for 2017 would be to get to continue telling this incredible woman's story. Um, but more generally, I guess just to keep working, um, just to keep working. Um, I'm an aunt. I have two little baby nephews. So spend a lot of time and with my nephews and watch them grow up. Um, they're three and one. So you really start to see the, the, the difference. I mean, just, a month can make a world of difference at this age. So getting to be there to watch them grow up is really exciting too. Well, that's outstanding. Well, again, uh, Christmas of Many Colors Circle of Life is coming on December 23rd, once again on NBC. So we certainly look forward to that. And you did a magnificent yes. job as Miss Thank Moody in the you. last two films. And it was great to talk with you. Thank you. Oh, so great to talk to you guys. And really quick, if anyone needs a last-minute Christmas present, the DVD of Christmas in Many Colors, Circle of Love, comes out today, December 20th. And you could even get the DVD of Code of Many Colors and do a box set if you wanted to. That's <laughs> great outstanding. Great stocking stuffers. <laughs> well, Merry Christmas, Mary Lane. Merry Christmas to you, Roger. I'm grateful to you. Really appreciate Mary Lane Haskell taking a lot of time out for me and hope she has safe travels back to Mississippi for a Southern Christmas coming up with her family. All right, I got to wrap things up and get ready to go for Alabama against UTEP tonight on the Crimson Tide Sports Network. But hopefully all of you have a great Christmas holiday coming up with your friends and your family. And I hope everyone remembers the reason for the season as well, celebrating the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ. But until next time, have a very Merry Christmas and play the waltz, Roy. I remember the night and the Tennessee waltz. Only you know how much I have lost. Yes, I lost my the night they were playing that beautiful 